Alright, so we'll say good morning, a good Chodesh to everyone. An incredible way to begin Chodesh Allah with a beautiful daf Misecha Sukkah. Begin by thanking our sponsors, to thank our Tamatora sponsors for the month of Elul, Avram and Shane D. Kelman for dedicating all of the Shi'urim and Drushos this month in memory of their parents, and Meretz Hashem made the Neshamas have an Aliyah and the family a Nechama. We thank our week of learning sponsor, Shmuel and Shira Artman, in honor of the birth of a baby girl to Jessia and Rivka Mayravitz. We thank uh, the Artmans for the sponsorship, and Mazel Tov to the Mayravitz on the birth of Yakira Bela. But with that, let us begin a very exciting dive ahead of us today. A lot to do, not a lot of time to do it in. Also, I made copies. Um, there's an, a great safer that I want to recommend. I'm actually going to see maybe if we can get it in bulk. It's called the Lulav and Esrig Handbook. This is not an infomercial. I just want to point out, I received no proceeds or royalties from the sale of this particular yeah. book. But this, this happens to be, it's a great digest of the halachos of Dalin Minim. It's, you know, it's, it's an article publication, short, concise, English, pictures, everything. I made for you today a copy of the section on Lulav. I don't know if I made enough copies for everyone. I'm going to try to get, I have to, and for those who are joining us online, I'm going to get someone to make a good colored PDF of it and Amir Tzashem send it out on WhatsApp. Also, we'll be using this over the next couple of days, the next couple of sugyas, but you're going to see it's incredibly helpful. All right, well, so with that, let us begin. Really have an exciting, and I also just also want to mention that what I'm going to try to do is because all of these sugyas, all of these sugyas are really interesting halakha lamaisa sugyas. So what I'm going to try to do is sometime in the next couple of weeks um, to schedule a shir, not a dafiyomi shir, an independent halakha shir on the halakha lamaisa of dalad minim. And the goal of that shir will be we're just going to go through all of the bottom line halakhas. What makes a lulav kasher, what makes a lulav pasal, hadasim, aravas, esrogim, and the mirat Hashem, then my hope is, and then we'll finally get to the daf, is that when we do the Lulav and Esther Excel this year, we'll have a special, a special Dafyomi uh, hour where we can mamish go through the Sugyas, you know, Lemaisa with the Dalit Minim. So, very exciting times ahead of us. Mirat Hashem, as you go into the months ahead. Let us begin. Today's daf is Lamid Beis. Lamid Beis. And we'll say, what a beautiful Zuchos that on, that on Rosh Chodesh Elul, we get to do Daf Lev. We get to do Daf Lev. Daf Lamed Beis. Because you know, the Gemara says, Rachmana Liba Boy. The only thing the Ribbono Shalom wants of us is our heart. That's it. He doesn't expect us to be perfect. He doesn't even expect us to be consistent. All he expects of us is that whatever we do in this world, we put our life into it. Put your heart into it, and that's enough. So, Mamish, <laughs> what an incredible thing. Daf Leif, Daf Lamed Beis, on Rosh Chodesh Elul. So incredible. But we're actually starting from Lamed Aleph, Lamed Beis. But it's starting better to say we're starting from Lamed Beis. Good, okay, so, let's, so let's begin. We're picking up. Emir Hashem, Lamed Aleph, Lamed Beis, 31b. We left off four lines up from the bottom. Shal Asher Dachas. So the Mishnah said, you cannot use a lulav of an Asherah or, or of an Irani Dachas. Remember, again, we're familiar with both of these concepts. An Asherah was a tree worshipped for idolatry purposes. Irani Dachas was a city which was condemned because the inhabitants worshipped Avodazah. So it says the Gemara, Vishal Asherah apostle. Is that true? That the Lula from an Asherah tree is possible. Vahama, Rabbi Rabbi said, Lulav shal lo yital. You should not use a lulav of avodazara. Now, here's what's interesting about this. Take a look at Rashi. What is a lulav of avodazara? What is that? So Rashi says, lulav shal avodazara. Sheshim shubola avodazara lechabed lefanei karka. 
So first example Rashi gives is a lulav that was used in, let's say, a house of idolatry to clean the house of idolatry. So again, you have cleaning supplies that are part of a house of Avodah Zarah. So the broom, which is used to clean the house of Avodah Zarah, takes on an Avodah Zarah identity as well. Inam, the other possibility is, Rashi says, The other possibility is that, no, the lulav itself is either part of the way you worship the particular Avodah Zarah. Either you wave it in front of the Avodah Zarah, you throw it in front of the Avodah Zarah. So two different possibilities. Either A, it's used to clean the house of the Avodah Zarah, like a broom, or it's actually used in a service. So the Gemara says, Ideally, you shouldn't use a lulav, which was used in a house of Avodah Zarah, but if you took it, kosher, it works. Shabbos say, what do you see from here? You see from here that Allah Chalamaisa, although ideally you shouldn't use the Lulav of Avodah Zarah, if you did, it works. So how does that stem with the Mishnah that says you shouldn't use the Lulav of Avodah Zarah at all? To which the Umar says, oh, hocha ba'ashira de Moshe The Mishnah is talking about the Avodah Zarah, the Asherah, which existed at the time of Moshe Rabbeinu. Now look at Rashi for just a moment. Ba'ashira de Moshe, osam shahayu b'shas kibush eret Yisrael. The Mishnah is referring to Avodah Zarah, which was in existence at the time that Eretz Yisrael was conquered. Listen to this. When Amosh Rabin, when Klav Yisrael went into Eretz Yisrael, ideally it was associated under the leadership of Moshe. Then there comes to the leadership of Yoshua. There was a din of destroying Avodah Zarah. So when the Mishnah says you cannot use the Lulav and Avanasherah tree, or Avanasherah tree, it was talking about the Asherah of the times of Moshe, where there was a biblical obligation to destroy Avodah Zarah. So what's the issue? Because mostly here's what's interesting. An Avodah Zarah, uh, therefore the branch of, an, of the, let's say the Lulav of an Asherah tree, if the Asherah is omitted to be destroyed, right? If it's, if it's designated to be destroyed, it's as if it is already halachically destroyed. And if it has been halachically destroyed, it lacks the requisite shear. It lacks the requisite shear. That's what it means. We'll say this is fascinating. So what's wrong with using the, the alulav of an asherah tree? You see, you would have thought, you would have thought that at the end of the day, it should be asher. Why? It should be asher because you're being nana from avodah zara. Now Rashi points out that there's no problem of Hano over here. Why is there no problem of Hano? Look at Rashi, we have not all kosher. Va'afagav, disuri Hano, the mitzas lav lehanos nitnu. Kilomar, ein ki of mitzas hanos, aguf ela avodas evadarabo. Both say this is incredible. The performance of a mitzvah is not considered Hano. It's not considered a, it's not considered a benefit. Right? This is incredible because the Rashi says, mitzvos lav lehanos nitnu. The mitzvos were not given to me as a form of benefit or enjoyment, but rather mitzvos are a form of service. So this is incredible. So that's why Rav says, ideally you're not supposed to use the lulav of an avanasherah tree. But if you did use the lulav of an avanasherah tree, you're yotze, you're yotze. Ah, you just got hanok from Avodah and you're not permitted to get hanok, you're not permitted to get a benefit from Avodah Mitzvos lav lehanos netnu. A mitzvah is not hano. 
A mitzvah is service. Shabbos say, if you think about it, it's such a dramatic way to look at our Yiddishkeit. Because so often when we think about our Judaism, we think about the things we like, the things we don't like, right? So I'm going to do this because I enjoy this. I'm not going to do this because I enjoy it a little bit less or I don't enjoy it at all. Because in Yiddishkeit, it's not about what you do enjoy or what you don't enjoy. It's not about what appeals to me or what doesn't appeal to me, what speaks to me or what doesn't speak to me. Mitzvahs are a service. Mitzvahs are a service. And to be honest, just like in any job, there hopefully are things about your job that you love and probably things about your job that you would give anything to change, but it's all part of the job. Mitzvahs are our job. Mitzvahs are our service. There are some that we like, some that we don't like so much, but it's all part of the job. It's all part of the avodah. It's all part of the service. Therefore, again, what's the problem with you? If that's the case, that there's no problem of hanah, right, from avodah zarah, when performance of mitzvah because mitzvah is not hanah, why can't I use a lulav and a benashera? It's very simple, because it halachically lacks the requisite shear. We'll discuss that a lulav requires a minimum shear. A minimum shear. The lulav of an asherah tree doesn't have the shear. But it does have the shear. It does have the shear. I, I just measured as the shear because it's only to be destroyed. Because it's only to be destroyed. Therefore, halachically, it lacks the requisite shear. An incredible idea. To which the Gemara says, It compares the lulav of an asherah tree to the irani dachas. Ultimately, just like an irani dachas, what happens in the irani dachas? Everything has to be destroyed. Everything has to be destroyed in Irani Dachas. Therefore, again, so too, the Lulav of the Asherah tree cannot be used because since it has to be destroyed, then what? It lacks the requisite shear. An incredible idea. Even though physically it has the shear, it measures whatever, three tvach and four tvach, whatever the Lulav is going to have to be because halach, it has to be destroyed. It's as if it, has, it's as if it lacks the actual requisite physical shear. And we'll say that is indeed the Halach Alamaisa. Again, interestingly enough, we learn at two things. Number one, that you shouldn't use the lula from Avodah Zara. But if you did, it sounds like it works. I, what about getting Hano from Avodah Zara? Mitzvos lav lehanos nitnu. The performance of a mitzvah is not considered Hano because mitzvos are not given to us for our enjoyment, for our, for our benefit, but not for our enjoyment. But again, the Asherah of the times of Moshe Rabbeinu, where Avodah Zara had to be actively destroyed and uprooted, such a lulav would have can be considered to lack the requisite shear. Beautiful. Amravuna, I'm sorry. Niktam Rosha. So the next part of the Mishnah was, what happens if the, if the top of the lulav was snipped off? Right top of the lulav was cut off. So ultimately the Mishnah says, the lulav is possible. So Amravuna, Loshan ala Niktam. That's only true ultimately again if it was cut off. Aval Nistak, but what if it was split? What if the top of the lulav was split? Kasher. Ultimately, the lulav will still be kosher. Look at Rashi. Rashi says, Nistiku Rashi Alin. If, let's say, the tops of the leaves were split, so the lulav will still be kosher. So the says, really? Nista kosher? Is that true? That if the top of the lulav was split, the lulav still remains kosher. Vatanya, we learned, lulav kafuv. If you have a bent lulav, you have a bent lulav. And we'll say, also, I sent it on the WhatsApp chat, the... Um, the, the other pictures, just the basic Gemara pictures, which you can do, which are also helpful in this case. But again, I'm going to reference you to some of the, uh, to some of the pictures and the copies I gave you. So Lulav Kafov, if a Lulav is bent, or Kavats. Now Rashi says over here, Kavats is, Shiyotzin b'shedra shalom, Uktzin kamin kotzin. Rash, so according to Rashi, Kavats means 
the lulav has thorns which come out of it. Now, Tosis disagrees. Tosis says that kavutz is like a zigzag. So we'll say, if you ha- does everybody have a copy of what I, what I Zirax this morning? If you don't, maybe just share with someone next to you. But just, just to give you an idea as to what Tosis says over here, if you take a look, if you take a look, this is on page 57 on the, on the, on the Xerox copy. I'll hold it up, I'll be also for the... It's this picture over here. According to Tosis, this is Kavitz. Kavitz means there's like a zigzag on it. Again, I'm going to put it out on the, on the WhatsApp chat to Mirat Hashem later on today. So that's the zigzag. So the Gemara says, again, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss this in just a little bit as well. So but we'll go with Rashi right now, that Kavitz ultimately means thorn-like protrusions. Or the Gemara says, Saduk. So Saduk, again, ultimately is split. So Do'akum, Do'met Lemagel, Puzzle, if, it's, if, it is, if it is bent like a sickle, it's going to be Puzzle. So all of these cases, right? So if it's Akum, Do'met Lemagel, it's going to be Puzzle. Charus, Puzzle. If it's charus, it'll also be possible. Now, what's charus? Look at Rashi. Rashi is charus. Kasha shenaase charios. She came down a halulav alav noshe bimos akushan vachishim as kasha. But say charus means if the lulav becomes hardened. If the lulav itself is hardened, then it becomes. Then, then, then sorry. Charus possible. Domela charus. Now, what's a domela charus means the lulav is beginning to harden. But as not yet fully hardened, it will be kosher. Amra Papa. So we'll say, so which one is it? So you just said over here that Allah So you said before that Nistak, if the Lulav splits, right? If the leaves split, the Lulav is kosher. Here you just said to me that what? That if the Lulav splits, it's possible. So which one is it? Amra Papa, it's not a contradiction. It, de- it depends how it splits. Amra Papa, da'avid kehemnik. Oh, I will say, watch this. This is fascinating. Look at Rashi. Rashi says, Shalbarzel, quotes over here, where your foots are, Shalbarzel, so for him, Shiesh lo shnei rashim, Virosha echad mefutsal, Kach gadol halulav kemin shtei shedros, Machtis alon lekan, Umachtis alon lekan. So I will say, so I'm going to show you, so if you, if you go ahead, actually, let me just show you in the, in the, in the handout that I gave you. So, the, so just to show you what a hemnik is, if you take a look, this is page 63 in the handout I gave you. So I will say, the, the nasis hemnik is the most common psul in a lulav. So remember, what, let, let me just say this outside first. Essentially, what we're going to see in general, there is a major machlokis, sfardim and ashkenazim, about what level of split leaves go ahead and invalidate a lulav. According to the, according to the mechaber, so for sfardim, you have to have actually the majority of the leaves split in order for the lulav to become possible, which, which is a lot of latitude. Ashkenazim are much more machnir, and for Ashkenazim, we look at the middle leaf, what we will call the tiomes, the middle leaf. If the majority of that middle leaf is split, the lulav is possible. If the leaf is split, but it's not the majority of it, the lulav will be kosher. However, if the middle leaf is split in what we call kehemnik, Kehemnik means, Kehemnik means, and again, that's the picture over here, you can see over here, where the middle leaf is split, and almost it looks like a V. It looks like a V. So the split itself is clear. You look at it, and the middle leaf looks. See, I will say, very often when the middle leaf is split, the only way you really know it's split is how? When you look at it, when you look at it, and then if you were to, you can see, you can pull it apart. That's kosher. 
as long as it's not split more than half the way down the middle leaf. But if it's hemnic, in other words, when you look at it, it looks like two leaves. It looks like two leaves. It's page 61 in the handout that I gave you. And it looks like two leaves. So it literally looks like a V or it looks like a Y, right? That, that's a psul. That's the psul kehemnik. And this is a very common psul in Lulavim. Perhaps one of the most common psulim in Lulavim. So the Gemara goes like this. Therefore, that's the distinction. So could, could the middle leaf be split? And the answer is yes. As long as it's not split more than 50% of the way down. But Allah Allah if it has the appearance of being split, right, into two, then ultimately the lulav will be possible. So the Gemara goes back to akum domelamagal. So furthermore, again, if it's bent like a sickle, it's also going to be, it's also going to be possible. So the Gemara says, That's only true if the lulav is bent forward. So just to orient ourselves with the lulav a little bit, right? So remember, again, a lulav has two sides. So there's one side that's green, Right, where you see the thickness of the shedra, the thickness of the spine, and then there's the opposite side, which is usually a bit more hollow, right, and usually has some of the brown on it, the kora on it. So, so we're talking about now, remember, you hold the lulav with, we'll call it the greener part towards you, the thickness of the shedra towards you. So when do we say ultimately again, Amar Rava, Rava said, when is the lulav ultimately again going to be possible? Lefanov, when it's bent forward. But if your lulav is bent a little bit backwards, kibriyasu. Ultimately, again, that's often the way lulavim actually grow. That's actually considered to be somewhat normal. Now, again, obviously, if it's noticeably bent, the lulav is going to be possible. But lamaisa, if it's slightly bent towards you, that's actually the normal way that a lulav grows. Amrav Nachman, litstadin kilafan of dami. What if the lulav is bent to the side? So ultimately, Rav Nachman says, if it's bent to the side, the side is like being bent forward, and therefore will be possible. Other, others say no, it's like it's bent backwards. Another psalm will say, if you have a lulav that only has leaves on one side. So remember again, I wish I had a, I wish I had a lulav to, uh, to demonstrate this with, because it would have, been much, would have been much better. See, this is another, this is how I was living gullus. Right? In Eretz Yisrael, you could always grab a lulav. Or I, guess, or I guess in Florida or California also. But, you know, but they're not as good. So, so, so again, if you could imagine, if you could imagine you have the lulav, you have the lulav, you have the shedra, which is the thick green part in the middle. If you were to have leaves only growing out of one side, that would be a psul. So both say, so the halacha lemaisa, what comes out of here is as follows. Again, we're going to go with Ashkenazic practice right now. So what we look for for the kashras of the lulav is to make sure that that middle leaf is closed. Ideally, you want the middle leaf that is fully closed. If the middle leaf is open, if it's less than 50% of the way open, now remember when we say 50%, that middle leaf doesn't go all the way down to the bottom of the lulav. That middle leaf goes to like the base of the shedra, the base of the spine, which is usually somewhere like midpoint of the lulav. You check that middle leaf. If that middle leaf is fully closed, grab that lulav. That's a good lulav, right? If the middle leaf is open, as long as it's less than 50% open, that's okay. With one exception, if it's kehemnik. If the top part of that middle leaf is clearly split, to the point that the two, the two, the two leaves, because remember again, the middle leaf is a double leaf. That's why we'll see in a moment, that middle leaf is called the tiomes. If that middle leaf, the top of that middle leaf is split and the tops go in two different directions, even if it's only a tiny little split and the majority of the leaf is closed, that lulav is possible. So the Gemara goes weiter. Nifritzu alav, 
you know, we'll get to this. I, I actually, it's, it's in a packet that I gave you. There's a whole discussion on whether or not halachal and I said you're permitted to glue together the middle leaf. Can you glue together the middle leaf to go ahead and make it a whole leaf? Yeah, well, when I know halachal and I said, we'll talk about that. Nifritzu alab. So we'll say if the leaves were torn off, if the leaves were torn off, the lulav is possible. Amr Papa, nifritzu da'avid ki so we'll say, Rav Papa says, the case of Nifritzu is when the leaves were, let's say, torn off, and then you reattach them like a broom. People would often make palm branch brooms, right? You can make a broom out of a lulav. How would you do that? You would have the individual pieces, you tie them together. So if you're to do that for your lulav, it does not work. Nifridu, the ifrut ifrude. So we'll say, the case of Nifridu is where the, is where the, the, the leaves begin to branch out. Remember again, if you leave a palm branch, if you take a lulav and you were to leave it on the tree, what would happen over time is what? The smaller leaves, right, which make up the lulav, would begin to, to separate out, right? Would begin to, what's the right word? Um, spread out, would begin to spread out, right? And ultimately they harden that way over time as well. That's the case of nifridu. So interestingly enough, nifritsu, if the leaves come off and you reattach them, that's a possible lulav. Nifridu, however, if the leaves begin to separate, the lulav could still be kosher. Now remember, we saw in the Mishnah, what would you do if the leaves begin to separate? You bind them back together, and that lulav would still be kosher. Papa, So the Papa asks as follows, what happens if the tiyomes? Rabbi said, the tiyomes is the middle leaf of the lulav. Why is it called, why is it called the tiyomes? Rashi says, Lefi shemidubakim kitaomim. Because they're stuck together like twins. In other words, the middle leaf is a twin leaf made up of two smaller leaves. So look at Rashi. So we'll say, what happens if the Tiyomas, the middle leaf, splits? So now, Tashma, the Amrabi Yochanan, Yoshua ben Levi, Nitla HaTiyomas Pasol. If the Tiyomas was removed, let's say you cut out the middle leaf of the Lulav Pasol. The love will be possible. My love, who had nechlika, is it not the same halacha if the middle leaf was split? Right? Perhaps being split is the same thing as being removed. Lo, nitla shiny. Nitla is different. Why? Because ultimately, again, if, obviously, again, we'll say if the middle leaf is missing, it's missing. Missing is much more significant than just split. Rishubhanlevi says that if the Tiyomas is split, it is made as if the Tiyomas is removed and the Lulav will be possible. But again, piggybacking on what we said before, it's true. If the Tiyomas, if the middle leaf is split, the lulav is possible, but only if it's split. How much? How much? How much? More than 50%. Right? More than 50%. If the middle leaf is split, more than 50%. But say that's why, again, when picking your lulav, again, there are a lot of details. You want to make sure the lulav is not white. That's the case of Yavish, although that's very uncommon that a lulav would be white, unless, of course, it's left over from last year. Right? So, again, generally not going to run into a situation like that. But when you check a lulav, the thing you're checking most is that middle leaf. You're going to go to the shedra, to the spine, which is the, which is the thick green part. You're going to trace that middle leaf. You're going to see that middle leaf is a double leaf. You're going to trace that all the way to the top of the lulav. And what you're looking for is to make sure that that middle leaf is not split. Even if it's split, as long as it's not more than 50% split, you're good to go. Assuming that what? That what? What's the one more thing you have to look for? Hemnik, right? You have to look for the top to make sure that there's not a V or a Y, however you want to look at it, at the top over there. Good. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, so again, Rabbi Huda said in the Mishnah, 
Rabbi Huda say? Rabbi Huda said, Yogenu milamala. Rabbi Huda says, you should go ahead and tie the lulav on top. Tanya, I'm Rabbi Huda. I'm Rabbi Tarfon. Kapos tamarim. Kapos. Vimhaya parod yikasvenu. Shabbos Rabbi Huda darshins, the way the Torah refers to lulav is kapos tamarim. Right? So Rashi says, so Rabbi Huda says it also means Kafos, right? But you know, kafos, you have to go ahead and bind the lulav together, right? A little bit of a play on words. Kapos, kafos, same word. It tells me that what? That if the lulav is splitting at all, if it's splitting at all, right, or, or separating at all, you should bind it back together. So we'll say, here's what's interesting in general about the Dalid Minim, right? The Torah is not explicit about. What item is what? For example, I, I know that Arve Nachal are willow branches. I know that Anaf Eitz Avos, this is going to be tomorrow's daf, is going to be, is going to be Hadassim, myrtle branches. But for example, you know, Esrag, we saw this in yesterday's daf. How do you know that Esrag is Esrag, right? It just says pre Eitz Hadar. How do you know that Kapos Tamarim means a lulav, a palm branch? How, how do you know that? So the Gemara says, How do you know that a Kapos Tamarim is a palm branch from a lulav, from, from a palm tree? Ema Charusa. Maybe it's a Charusa. And I will say, what's Charusa? Maybe it's the hardened palm branch. In other words, maybe it's not like what we take as a lulav, which is the shaky palm branch. Maybe it's a hardened palm branch. To which the Gemara says, but in kafos veleka, we need it to be the type of branch that ultimately has the ability for its leaves to separate. In other words, the fact that it says kafos, we said it could be bound together. The only reason you'd have, the only time you'd have a need to bind something together is if what? If the individual leaves could what? Could separate. But if it were to be hardened, then there would be no possibility of separation. Veima ofsa, maybe it's a log. Maybe it's just a log. You take a little log, a log, a log, right? Not, not a big log, but a little log, right? For, for your, for your lulav and asterisk. So, kapos michlal di'ika paros. Same idea. The fact that it says kafos, bound, indicates thus that it has the ability to separate. The high kafos va'omed li'olam. But if it's a log, the log, so to speak, is already bound, it's already hardened. Ay ve'ema kufra. Maybe it's a shoot. In other words, how do you know that it's a whole branch? Maybe it's just a shoot from the palm tree. Um, Rabbi, boss, listen to how beautiful this is. Um, Rabbi, this is beautiful. So Rabbi says, the ways of the Torah are pleasant. Meaning what? The shoots of palm trees often have thorns on them. So the Torah, Kedoshah, would never tell us to take something thorny for Yom Tiv. The ways of the Torah are peaceful, right? So, so beautiful, are pleasant and peaceful. So any mitzvah that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to tell us to perform at the end of the day, at the end of the day, always is going to be pleasant, going to be beautiful. Which will say something so important because everything in Yiddishkeit is beautiful and pleasant. And very often, if it's not beautiful and pleasant, sometimes the problem is not the mitzvah, but sometimes the problem is me. I sometimes make the problem is the way I relate to it or the way I'm viewing it. But everything that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us, it's not always easy. It's not always easy. But Lama'isa derecha darchinam b'chol nesivo seh shalom. It's always filled with shalom and it's always filled with noam. So incredible. So the Gemara goes weiter. Amr le'i ravato svalor avino. Ve'ema tarti kapi detamri. This is great. Maybe kapos tomorrow means two clusters of dates. I will say, can you imagine walking into shul like this? Right? Everybody walks in. And again, by the way, kapos tomorrow. 
Everybody should bring two clusters of dates. First of all, it's great. If shul goes long, right? Your mom and she have a little something to gnash on. It's fantastic. Right? Imagine everybody walks in with two clusters of dates on Sukkis. Kapos ksift, which the Gemara says, it's true it says kapos, but it says kapos without the vav, which is chaser, which tells you that I'm only taking one. Aiveimachada. So why don't we go ahead and just maybe it means take one cluster of dates. The Gemara says, lahu kaf karile. Interesting enough, one cluster of dates would be called the kaf, not a kapos. So I want to say, interesting enough, through this whole exercise, we begin to see kapos tomorrow means the branch of a date palm, the branch of a date palm, but not one that has hardened, one that has the ability to be bound. When does something have to be bound? Ultimately, again, when its leaves have the ability to separate, but have not yet separated. Incredible. Sine har barzal kshera. The Mishnah then said that a lulav that comes, lulavim, from har barzal, right? Palm trees of har barzal are kosher for the use of lulav. Says the Gemara, Amra Baye, Lo Shanu Ela, Sherosha Shazem Agilat Sad Ikaro Shazem. Aval in Rosho Shazem Agilat Sad Ikaro Shazem. Possible. Shabbos say, here's what's interesting. Apparently, from this Gemara, you've seen that what was unique about Sine Har Barzel, they had shorter leaves. So we'll say, if you look at a Lulav, right? If you look at, at our Lulavim, the leaves overlap, right? Apparently, these Sine Har Barzel had shorter leaves, and the leaves did not really overlap. So the Gemara says, when can you use a lula from Har Barzel? Only if one leaf, only if literally again, Roshel Shalzeh, Magiel Letzadi Karol Shalzeh. Only if the bottom leaf, the top of the bottom leaf, touches the base of the upper leaf. So, in other words, whereas in, in a normal lulav, the leaves themselves overlap, right? You have layers of leaves, one on top of the other. The leaves were a little bit shorter. You could use it as long as the leaves touch one another. Touching as defined, the top of the bottom leaf touches the base of the upper leaf. However, but if the leaves are so disconnected that the leaves of the top of the bottom leaf does not touch the base of the upper leaf, such a lulav would be unusable. Tana Rechabais that supports this as well. Sini Har Barzal Psula. Rice says, you cannot use a lulav from Har Barzal. Ahai Vahanan Tinan Kshera. But we learned Sini Har Barzal is kosher. El Shmamina Ka'abaye Shmamina. Rather, you have to it's like Abaye's distinction. If, as long as for, as long as for Lulav of Har Barzal, that the leaves connect with one another, meaning that the tip of the bottom leaf touches the base of the upper leaf, then ultimately it's going to be kasher. Others go ahead and pose this as a contradiction or as a kasher. It's the same discussion, just reframed as a kasher. Our Mishnah said that you could use lulavim of har barzal, that's a location. But that lulavim that come from har barzal, apostle, on Rabbi Elokasha, Kan sherosho shalzeh, magia letzad ikaro shalzeh. Kan shein rosho shalzeh, magia letzad ikaro shalzeh. But say it's not a contradiction. There are two different types of lulavim which grew on the palm trees of Har Barzel. Sometimes the leaves did not even touch one another. Such a lulav will be possible. But if you had it seen in Har Barzel, lulav from Har Barzel, where again, the tip of the bottom leaf touched the base of the upper leaf, 
Ultimately, again, that is going to be kosher. And I will say, here in the distinction, one more time, in our lulavim, and again, sometimes we don't pay attention to this, in our lulavim, the leaves all overlap. They all overlap, right? In Tzini Harbarzal, the leaves did not overlap. They were shorter leaves. They did not overlap. So the Gemara says it's kosher as long as the leaves are connected to one another. How do we define connection? That the top of a bottom leaf touches the base of the lower leaf. Beautiful. So the Gemara goes, I'm Rav Mary, I'm Rav Levi, Listen to this. There are two palm trees. There are two palm trees in the valley of Ben Hinom. And smoke comes out from between those two palm trees. And this is what we referred to when we said before that the palm trees of Harbarza. So we'll say, this is incredible. Because we, 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 the one thing we did not know is where are the, where, where are the palm trees of Harbarzel? Where's Harbarzel? To which the Gemara says, Harbarzel is actually not a Har at all. It's not a valley. What is it? Sorry, it's not a mountain. What is it? It's a valley. And where is it? Right outside of Yerushalayim. Right outside Yerushalayim. We'll say, in fact, if you go on the Tayalat, right? If you go on the promenade in Yerushalayim, you could see the valley of Ben Hinom. The Valley of Ben Hinnom is where these palm trees grew. And these were two specific types. It was two, the Gemara refers to two palm trees. Shtei Tomoros, in the Valley of Ben Hinnom, there was smoke that went out from between the valleys. And ultimately, why is there smoke coming? I'm sorry, smoke coming out between the palm trees. Vezohi Pischa Shel Gehenom. And one of the entranceways to Gehenom was in this Valley of Ben Hinnom, right outside of Yerushalayim. So I will say, there's so much to speak about on this. And because it's 8.53 and we have all the time in the world, we could really delve into this. Incredibly, so I'll give you the 30-second version of this. So I will say, this is incredible on a number of ways. First of all, the Meshach Hathma says, what happened over here that this is an entranceway to Gehenna and that the smoke comes out? The Meshach Hathma says something absolutely amazing. This valley right outside of Yerushalayim before Klal Yisrael came and conquered Yerushalayim, because remember, we don't conquer Yerushalayim until later, until the times of David HaMelech, even under Yoshua, the Yavusi still lived in Yerushalayim. David HaMelech was the one who cleared out the Yavusi from Yerushalayim. This area, right outside Yerushalayim, was the capital of the Avodah of Molech. Right? Molech, I will say, was the, was the Avodah of child sacrifice. Right? So the, the, the central place, the central, like the base Hamikdash, Laham the Aleph Ave Rive Abdallah, from Molech was in the valley of Ben Hinnom. The worst type of Avodah happened right outside of Yerushalayim in this valley. That's why this, that's, that's why this valley gained this notoriety. That's why the smoke, right? The smoke, the smoke literally of the Avodah is still smoldered here. So we'll say, but why is this the entrance to Gehenim? So you see something amazing. You see something that when we engage in negative activity, negative activity, mamish, doesn't just have an impact on the person who does it, but negative activity has an impact on the makam as well. You could fundamentally change the spiritual fabric of a makam through negative activity as well. And there is no place that is more sensitive to this than Eretz Yisrael. This is why Kaddish Baruch Hu says, if we don't behave correctly, Sakia Aretz the land throws us out. The land vomits us out. 
Eretz Yisrael, the, great, the, greater, the greater the Kedusha, the greater the sensitivity. So it's incredible. Again, there's so much more to say about this. Remember again, we did this Sugin Erevin. Remember? Good. Just tell me you remember. It'll make me feel much better. Just shake it. Oh, good, good, good. Incredible. He'll say, so, so again, we did this Sugin already, but I just want to point out, this is the German. So where's Tzine Har Barzel? It's not a Har. Why it's called a Har is a whole discussion. It's not a Har. It's right outside of Yerushalayim in the valley of Ben Hinnom. There were these unique palm trees Smoke used to come up from these palm trees. This was an entranceway of Gehenna. What happened in this place that it was an entranceway in Gehenna? Ultimately, again, because of Molech. But I will say what I also will point out, then we must go on. I'll also point out something amazing, which is, isn't it fascinating that there's an entranceway of Gehenna not so far from where? From where? From the Harabayas. Let's say, you know, Kiddusha, Ganeiden, right? Ganeiden and Gehenna are two sides of the same coin. Wherever there, wherever there is the greatest amount of Kiddusha, there is also the greatest capacity, ultimately, again, for Tumah. Wherever there is the greatest capacity for Gan Eden, ultimately, again, Gehenna is never far away. This is learned from Yaakov and Esau. Yaakov and Esau were in the same womb. By Rav Kook, Rav Kook, whose yard site is Gimel Elul, right? So Rav Kook, Rav Kook, says, Kiddusha and Tumah, you're always going to find them in the same place. And they're always vying. They're always, they're always, there's always struggle. Who is going to win? They're always, wherever you find one, you're always going to find the other. So you have a base time mikdash, a couple of feet away, you're going to find the pistol shogun. I'm an incredible yisod. Vaiter, quickly. Lulav shish shosha tfachim. So if the lulav has three tfachim, ultimately again, the lulav is going to be kasher. That's the shir for lulav. To which the Gemara says, Amrav Yehuda Meshmuel, shir hadas vavrav shlosha v'lulav arba. That's not true. The shear for Lulav, the shear for Hadassim and Aravas is three Tfachim, and Lulav is four Tfachim. Because the Lulav must extend one Tfach above the Hadas. I will say, we're not going to get to do the Halach Alamaisa in this sugya, but in the, in the handout that I gave you, you could see this entire sugya on page 67. Page 67 is going to give you the Shi'urim of Lulav and the relationship between Hadassah. Because remember, this is very important about Sai, because often people don't realize this halacha. Well, let's finish this, then we'll finish up. So the Gemara says, They say, Lulav Yotzim in Hadassah Tabach. Rabbi Parnach, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Shedro Shalulav, the Shedro, the spine of the Lulav, Sarak Shiyetzim in Hadassah Tabach. There must be at least one Tabach of spine, of Shedro of the Lulav, which extends above the Hadassim. Tanan, we learned, Lulav sheishbo gimel tfachim. If a lulav has three tfachim, kedela naanea ba kasher. If a lulav has three tfachim, that's enough because there's enough to shake. But one second, is lulav three tfachim or is lulav four tfachim? Ema ukedela naanea ba kasher. No, no. What it means is the lulav must have an addition to the one tavach told. It must have an additional three tfachim to go ahead and shake it. Marked the isle, marked the same. I will say that there's a machlokas. Does it just have to be that any you have one tavach of any part of the lulav? that extends above the Hadassim, or do you need a part of the Shedra, part of the spine of the Lulav, to extend above the Tfachim, extend above the Hadassim. That's the Machlokes. Tashma, Shira Hadass V'arav Shlosha, the Shir for Hadassim, and Arav also three Tfachim, the Lulav Arba, and the Lulav must have a minimum Shir for Tfachim, my love, Bahadei Alin, 
Does that not come to include including the branches themselves? Lo levad me'alim. Ultimately, again, it means independent, ultimately, again, of the branches of the hadasim. So gufa, let's analyze this. I'm going to go quickly, then we'll explain. Gufa, shir hadas va'arav shloshav lulav arba. The shir for hadasim and aravos is three tfachim, and the lulav is four tfachim. Rabbi Tarfon Omer, ba'ama bas chamisha tfachim. So Rabbi Tarfon says, what are we talking about over here? With an ama that's measured by five tfachim. Amarava, shari they marred Rabbi Tarfon. The Rivoshon should forgive Rabbi Tarfon for saying such a thing. Hashta avos shloshama lo meshkachinon. It's difficult enough to find hadasim, which measure three tfachim, bas chamisha mi boy. You're going to be able to find one that measures five tfachim. Kios Rabdimi Amar, ama bas shisha tfachim. No, the ama that we're using is an ama that is made up of six tfachim. But take an amma that's made of six tfachim and transform it into an amma of five tfachim. In other words, redistribute it as if it was an amma of five tfachim. Take out three, three tfachim for hadasim. And the rest of that space, or the rest of that area, or the rest of that measurement, will be for a lulav. How much will we be left with? Three and three fifths. I kashi dishma dishma. So it's a contradiction. Shmuel is contradicting himself. What is the proper share of the lulav? Hacha. So the Gemara says, Hacha. Amar Rav Yehuda. Amar Shmuel. Shir hadas va'arabas shlosha. The shir for hadasim and arabas is going to be shlosha. V'hasam Amar Rav Huna. Amar Shmuel. Halacha Rabbi Tarifon. But here Rav Huna is saying the name of Shmuel. Halacha Rabbi Tarifon. Different shir to which the Gemara says lodak. Shmuel was imprecise with his measurements. Eimah d'aminah lodak lechumra. When do we say that? When can you claim imprecision? That's only when your lack of precision leads to a chumrah. Ultimately, again, I'm sorry. Can you say low duck that you were imprecise when it comes when it turns out to be a kula? To which the Gemara says, Ki Really, what you should do is as follows: You take an amal that is measured by five tefachim and redistribute it as if you were measuring at an amal of six tefachim. Take out three of those tefachim for adasim, v'ashar lulav, and the rest will be for the measurement of lulav. Kamahavi, how much will it be? So the Gemara says, tre upalga, two and a half. Sof sof kasha dishmol dishmol. I, which isn't Shmuel still not contradicting himself? Lodak. Ultimately, again, Shmuel was imprecise. V'ahenu lechumra. But now the imprecision ultimately again is lechumra. To which the Gemara says, "Rafunam Shmuel halok kavit tarifon." Shabbos says. So, bottom line, I'm sorry that I went quickly through that last sugya because of time we have to. I will say, but bottom line, you'll see again if you look quickly at page sixty-seven in that handout that I gave you. You can pretty much see here. I will say is the basic halacha sixty-seven and sixty-eight. What you can see, I will say, is the minimum shear of a lulav is going to actually be four tefachim. Four tefachim. The minimum shear for adasim and arabos is going to be three tefachim. But the way it has to work, halacha lemaisa, is that when situating your hadasim and your arabos with your lulav, there must be at least one tefach of shedra, one tefach of spinal space, we'll call it spinal space, of the lulav that extends above the hadasim and the arabos. And that's page 68 in that handout that I gave you, the picture there. You see, you see, how, that's, you see how that's arranged over there? You have the adasim, and then you have that little bracket, which is the shedra of the lulav, one tapak of spinal area, lulav spinal area, that extends above the adasim. And I both say, why is this very important? Because often, we, we, we mess this up a little bit, because uh, many of us use those holders, those holsters, right? And what happens? 
everybody's always reticent to push their hadasim down into the holsters, and rightfully so, because halach lamaisi, you could end up shaving off the leaves, which is going to be tomorrow's sugya. So often what ends up happening is, my hadasim are very high on the lulav. The problem is now, my hadasim are too high on the lulav. So we'll discuss how to appropriately remedy this. But again, the halach lamaisi takeaway, lulav for tfachim, hadasim three tfachim, Aravos three tfachim, hadasim must be placed in by the lulav in a way that there is at least one tefach of the shedra, one tefach of the thickness of the spine above the hadasim. We are to continue tomorrow. Shkayach, I will say.